We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. kind of mythical powers does a sun devil have? we got to consider that. It's embarrassing, but we are who we are. We're not a very good team, but we're 3-1 and one somehow. And we got all the voters fooled, thinking we're pretty good. Jaworski Lane at 275 pounds showed a heck of a lot of athletic ability. Welcome to a special bowl season edition of the Roadwire College Football Podcast, the West Lunt of College Football Podcast. Nick Whalen, joined as I always am by Czar of College Football Content for Rotowire.com. Uh, a man who on his StreamYard screen is listed as Brandon Doty, or Brendan Doty, excuse me. Uh, apologies <laughs> to the Doty family. John McKechnie, we're back. We, we, we kind of took a hiatus last week. Obviously, college football uh, was in a, a one-week holding pattern outside of the Army-Navy game. But boy, we are we are out of that holding pattern this weekend, we get two bowls on Friday. We got six bowls on Saturday, one on Monday, two on Tuesday, one on Wednesday. Uh, we're going to cover uh, essentially the week ahead, and we'll continue to do this throughout bowl season, uh, previewing all those bowls that, of course, progressively uh, the stakes get raised as we move toward the college football playoff. But how's everything going with you? Uh, I know you you made a trip back to Madison recently. You've been all over the country. You're, you're going to be in attendance uh, for a Packers-Ravens game this weekend. What's going on? Yeah, it's been a, kind of a whirlwind week. Uh, you know, speaking of Army Navy, I had a, a side bet uh, with, with fellow college football uh, contributor Chris Benzine. Uh, I was, I was, I was like, okay, you get Army, or, or you take who you want. And he's like, all right, I want Army, and I'm like, okay, that's fine. Give me, give me the half point though. Give me seven and a half for Navy to cover. And he's like, I won't do it. And then. Uh, you know, after after much back and forth, I caved just so I could have some action on the game. And the, the bet was merely one beer at the Rotowire Steak League dinner later that evening. And much to my surprise and enjoyment, uh, Navy won me a beer off of Zine. So, like, wow. I was just riding high into the weekend after that. But then, yes, I, I hit the road yesterday from Atlanta, drove all the way back up to Maryland uh, here for the holidays, uh, got uh, Rotowire soccer guru chris owen coming to town this weekend to to go to the ravens packers game so it's been a loaded like eight days or so and it's going to be crazy again here in a, in, a, in a few days or i guess like 36 hours or so whenever 
whenever Crowen get gets into town from Seattle. So um, I'm pumped for that. And then, of course, you know, bowl season starts uh, tomorrow, Friday, and signing day w- was yesterday. So my phone was buzzing and I had to, you know, work to stay concentrated on the road as, as everyone was flipping out about the various ongoing things for early signing day yesterday. Mm-hmm. So first of all, I don't know Zine as a beer drinker. Uh, I thought he was a strictly a rum and coke man. So maybe a good thing that he didn't win that bet. Um, and that, you know, I don't, I don't know what that would have equated to for him. But oh, um, could, could you give me like a like a twenty second recap of the Rotowire steak dinner? How did this one compare to past dinners? Uh, it was it was really good. You know, we got the the main little center room at the tornado room. Uh, a good a good crowd was in there. Um, everyone w- was you know that. They didn't have the big, big table set up, so there there was kind of a lot of separate factions. I had a good table I was sitting at, though. Um, the wine was poured. I had a excellent filet au poivre from the Tornado Room. Again, shout out to them. And uh, Shannon gave a speech at the end, and then I gave a, a second-place speech that no one was asking for. So a, a great night was had <laughs> by all. <laughs> nice. And congrats to you, finishing second in that league. That is that is no small feat, uh, given some of the, the heavy hitters that partake in that one. It, exactly. I, I, I've won the Roadwire Stake Football League before, but I, I do feel like with baseball being a, as much of a grind as it is, that that, that might be my best mm-hmm. fantasy achievement to this point. I, I was proud of that. And uh, thank you to Cedric Mullins for, for being a, a 30 for 30 guy. I was so bad in the Roadwire Stake Football League that I just like resigned and <laughs> sold. I sold my franchise a couple of years ago and in the process of saved myself probably close to a thousand dollars at this point. For real uh, did did lock up the number one seed in my girlfriend's family league though uh, over the weekend. So huge, then, yeah. I, you got to buy this weekend. Know. Oh, I got to buy. Yeah, do I got to buy? Uh, yeah, yeah. I got to I got to buy right to the Super Bowl, pal. Um, let's uh, let's talk a little bit of signing day, and then we'll we'll start to check in on these bowls. You also put up uh, a really valuable article for anyone looking to throw down a little coin on these bowl games. You have ranked all forty-one bowl games uh, in, in terms of your confidence. Uh, and which team will win. So really good breakdown, a few sentences on every single bowl game. That'll go live on the site, I would assume today, maybe tomorrow. Uh, but mm-hmm. make sure you give that a read, and we'll, we'll kind of give a preview of it on the pod. Uh, but I think we obviously need to touch on Travis Hunter. I, I, I've seen a lot of people calling this the biggest signing day surprise ever, and I, I don't think that's hyperbole, right? I mean, there's been a lot of, this guy flipped from LSU to Bama, or this guy flipped from Texas to Georgia, that type of thing. But not a lot of precedent for the number one overall recruit in the country flipping to Jackson State. No, absolutely not. So, uh, you know, I, I feel like NIL w- was a huge deal over the summer w- once it finally got enacted back in July and everyone's hand wringing about, you know, what what this means for college football. And then we all saw that it was fine. It was good. If, if anything, you know, we, we're starting to see stuff like Kansas's fullback at an Applebee's commercial. It's like, okay, this this isn't so bad. Um, but I, I guess that like the storm had settled to the point to where people didn't really think about what NIL would do to signing day. And what happens is, you know, to to do like a verbal meme of like the guy like pushing the the progressively larger uh dominoes uh one where it's like the, the bottom one is Dave Portnoy getting rich off of blogging and reposting other people's stuff. And, and then like the big domino is, is the number one player in the country committing to an FCS school. Um, so it's it's amazing how how things have worked out, you know, it, over the last decade. And of course, over the, these last six months or so, 
And it results in Travis Hunter, who, like you said, what had been a longtime Florida State commit, it was kind of like the bedrock, uh, the, the next great hope for the Florida State program. It's, it hasn't been great under Mike Norvell, but I think there's generally been, um, you know, some, some confidence reinstilled into the program in, in recent weeks with the way things ended this season. They obviously didn't beat Florida. Then they'd be really riding high. But um, either way, the, the rug gets swept out from under them. Uh, and Hunter, you know, the, the kind of wire to wire number one player in the country in, in this class now going to Jackson State to play for, for Deion Sanders. And it's I mean, it's something that is totally unprecedented. And it, it you know, Hunter had been so strong to Florida State. And, and if he was going to flip anywhere, you know, it was going to be Bama or Georgia or something like that. This kind of just came out of nowhere in, in an amazing fashion. I don't see this necessarily as like the beginning of the end or any, this isn't like a cataclysmic event that that's terrible for everybody. Um, and I, I don't think that this is going to be a regular thing either. I think this is, this is a pretty special one-time deal. And, 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 you know, we, we could see higher profile guys going to a program like that, or, you know, committing to Eddie Georgia at East Tennessee state, that kind of thing. But I, I don't think that this is something that, that is like, we're going to become the the norm moving forward. I think in the end, where the powers will still be the powers, and and the the top players will go to the top schools. Yeah, I think so. I mean this this seems like a a one off situation, and obviously Deion Sanders, you know, being the the head man at Jackson State has a lot to do with this. I it's kind of strange to me that these kids who are born in two thousand two, two thousand three, you know, some two thousand four, are you know are are that. I guess enamored with Deion Sanders, you know, who was much more relevant well before they were born. I don't know if they're being pushed by the parents. I, you know, obviously there's there's the implication here that there's some significant NIL money uh, coming Travis Hunter's way that that pushed him to Jackson State, and uh, obviously that could have been the case anywhere he went. So it's I saw a lot of people reacting like, "Oh my God, Jackson State just bought Travis Hunter." It's like, yeah, they were doing the same thing that every other school was doing, and you know, either they, they had the right message or they paid the the price that other schools weren't willing to. Like I, people were almost talking about it, like something dirty happened, but it's the wild, wild west. Like everything is pretty much allowed at this point. Exactly. I mean, the NIL has leveled that playing field. And I think in the end, like the, you know, there, there will be some reshufflings. There will be some, some one-off events like this one, but really it, it will kind of end up being the, the schools that are able to, to put the most into their football team in, in a real financial way via the, these NIL setups, mm -hmm. uh, they will, they will remain atop. And, and uh, you know, I, I think the other kind of interesting thing to, to me in football, you have to play somewhere for, for three years, um, well, at least theoretically, or you, it takes yeah. three years for you to be, to become draft eligible. Right. So right. The, we've seen it with Quinn Ewers. Uh, Hunter doesn't need to be, at Jackson State for the duration of, of his college career. We, we know that, uh, you know, with, with the with the current transfer rules, you could you get that blanket waiver. You can be eligible at another school um, the following year after after transferring without having to sit out. And I just I wonder first if, if Hunter really is going to be at Jackson State for three years. And, and then, you know, if, if he does transfer to to a big guy uh, where he ends up. But that that's for that's for something down the road. And I also wonder if he does stay at Jackson state for three years and, and, you know, he's uh, you know, obviously becoming a, a very wealthy young man and, and good for him. Of course, the cynic in me who, 
you know, spends the entirety of his winter and spring getting ready for the draft and reading draft coverage and all that. And you, you see all the anonymous GM stuff. The cynic in me does believe that like there's going to be some anonymous scout or anonymous source that's like Travis Hunter. Does he really love football? Does, does he really love to compete if he's going to the FCS, if, he, if he's going to Jackson State? What If he really loved to compete, he would have gone to Florida State. If he really loved to compete, he would have gone to Alabama. And I can I can foresee in 2024 those conversations – or 2023 uh, those conversations be, being had and, and those takes uh, being dropped out there by people who won't put their name on it, but they will put it out in the media. Yeah, that's going to be a question if he stays there. And, you know, frankly, I hadn't put a ton of thought into into you know him eventually transferring. But I, I think, like you said, Quinn Ewers has certainly paved the way for that path. And, you know, it, this kind of reminds me of the early stages of like the what people call the player empowerment era in the NBA, where at first there were all these like, you know, shocking decisions. LeBron's, you know, leaving the Cavs, forming his own team. And, you know, superstars kind of kept following suit all the way through to, to Kevin Durant, you know, going to the Warriors. And it, every time it happened, it became less and less shocking. And here we are now in almost 2022, and people just accept that that's how the league works. So I, I think we're kind of in the early stages of that with college football, where you know every time it's, it's pearl clutching when one of these decisions is made. I think four or five years down the road, we'll look back and say that actually really wasn't that crazy. Yeah, I think that that's a good point. So, so like you said, player empowerment is fairly new to college sports uh, in, in general, you know, like it just took forever for the transfer portal to exist, let alone uh, being able to transfer to from a place that you don't want to play at anymore to, to somewhere else without having to waste a year of your prime, just sitting there. Like that always seemed wrong to begin with. And now players are able to make money off their image and likeness. And, and now it leads to things uh, like Travis Hunter. So um, yeah, he he becomes kind of like the the face of it for for now. But like you said, there will be other cases of this in the future. And and with each um, with each instance of it, the it, the magnitude of it won't feel as, as dramatic as this one did. Yeah, the the pro questions are interesting. That's definitely going to happen uh, if he does stay there. Um, and I you know I think it'll in some ways it it'll be really cool if he just goes there and absolutely dominates you know, the, are they in a SWAC conference? Is that what, still what it's called? Or just dominates FCS overall? Like that's, that's what we want to happen here, right? Like I remember, you know, there's been players, like for example, there's a, a projected top 10 pick right now uh, who's playing at UW-Milwaukee. He was a top 10 player in the class, Patrick Baldwin. Uh, his dad happens to be the coach at UWM. So kind of a different situation, but you know, he's, he's just, he's been like good, not great so far. Like my hope is that like, you know, if you, you put a, you know, like what happens if you put Zion Williamson on, you know, some, some team in like, you know, Grand Valley state or whatever. Mm -hmm. It's like, we, we can see some things that we've never seen before. So like, my hope is that he just absolutely dominates and people look back and say, we don't care that he played at this small school. He's been so dominant. And, and obviously as the number one prospect in the country, that is how his career is tracking. So part of me, part of me could totally see him transferring after a year or maybe two years um, to at least get one season in, you know, the SEC or the ACC or the big 12, whatever it might be. Um, for draft purposes, but I'd also kind of like to see how this plays out and see if he could really dominate to the level that a lot of people think he can. Um, I will also say this reminds me a bit of uh, another Deion Sanders related player, uh, Emmanuel Moutier. Are you familiar? I think he's actually out of the league right now. Um, I do. But he was, yeah, the, he, was he was a Texas high school guy. He was. He or went was... to prime prep, which turned yeah. out to be kind of a mix of like Bishop Sycamore and South Harmon Institute of Technology. 
but uh, he, he, he was the number one, depending on who you asked, he was the number one or number two prospect. It was him or Jalil Okafor in his class. And he committed to SMU and people were like, what is going on? Like Larry Brown was the coach at the time. Oh, yeah. um, there, there was a belief to be a, a, you know, some, some significant factors pushing him that way. We'll say. Um, and then right before he was going to enroll, it turned out that SMU, Brown, you say, and Larry Brown of all places. Yeah, right. Exactly. It was, it was, it was like, okay, this guy, you know, at the time was potential number one pick in the draft and he's going to go to SMU. Uh, and then of course the rug got pulled out. Prime prep wasn't a real school and he, he had to go overseas. Uh, but that, like, that's kind of the closest comparison. And the first thing that came to mind for me when, when I saw the Travis Hunter news. I, I think that's a, that's a perfect comp. I, I do remember him and, and I remember being pretty early on in my Rotowire days, I think, when when, um, when that story w- was coming out and, and developing. I remember hearing the NBA guys at the time talking about Moutier and, and, and then everything happened. And I do love that, you know, the, the six degrees of separation there. You don't even have to yeah. get that far down the line. Deion Sanders in there. All right, let's uh, let's move to the Bulls. Um, I mentioned that your, your confidence pick article uh you know it's still in the lab still in the take factory right now uh, needs to be polished up before we throw it on the site but i think you feel pretty good about the order at least that you have these games placed in so i'll, I'll turn it over to you you can highlight you know some of the, the games that you feel are, are the biggest gimmies some of the games that you're um a little more concerned about betting maybe some stayaways uh, and then as we go through bowl by bowl uh for these next few days uh we'll, we'll kind of touch on where those bowls all rank um, you know, in your, your bettability rankings, we'll say. Exactly. Exactly. So, so yeah, th- this article is, a, is a beast to write. I do love writing it. Uh, don't get me wrong, but you know, with, with this many words, uh, you know, I want to make sure that everything makes sense. Uh, but, but as far as the, uh, order and everything that, that has all been, been finalized. I just want to make sure that all the blurbs are good and worth reading. Um, but starting it off, um, I'll just kind of run through my, my top five um, games that I'm most confident in. And if you if you aren't in a confidence pool or haven't played in one before, they're a lot of fun. The idea is that you take all 41 bowl games on ESPN. They have a, a couple more because you have to pick uh, the playoff as well. And and I think one other game uh, that, that occurs on Saturday as well. Um but this one, just the, the 41 regular ones that will be treated to. Leading things off, it brings me no joy to do this. But I, I don't see Alabama losing to Cincinnati. To, to me, just as far as it, you know, these are these are ranked 41 to, Z, to 1, most confident to least confident. I would put 41 of my 41 points on Alabama to, to beat Cincinnati and advance to the national championship. Cincinnati's obviously been an amazing story all year. Alabama has looked shaky at times, but I think the resounding win against Georgia um, was was impressive enough to to make me believe that Alabama will go ahead and advance to the national title. That's all they need to do in this. They don't uh, account for the spread in this one, although Alabama is one of the biggest favorites, uh, if not the biggest off the top of my head of the of these bowl games. So um, I will just kind of eat the chalk there and, and bank uh, 41 points for Alabama. Next up, Fresno State against UTEP that, you know, that there's been a coaching shakeup at Fresno State, but Jake Hayner is coming back. That was the big um, deciding factor to me. Uh, That's reflected in the line as well. Fresno State, 11 and a half point favorites in this one. I'm very confident that, you know, with Hayner back in the fold, uh, that they will take care of UTEP. UTEP, I don't, I don't believe is a particularly good team. I think they are one of uh, the worst uh, bowl eligible teams this year. Sorry, Miners. 
Um, next, I like Tulsa against uh, Old Dominion. Old Dominion, kind of amazing that they made a bowl this year after taking uh, last year off completely. Good for them. But I, I think that Tulsa, even though they're not a very fun, interesting team, they are a pretty solid team. And Vegas thinks so as well. They're almost 10-point favorites. I like Tulsa in that one. Uh, Toledo and Middle Tennessee, another one that uh, we'll get to when we kind of break down these next few bowls. But um, I, well, I'll tell you my pick there when, when we're discussing them. But that's a game I have a lot of confidence in one side. And then Liberty, Eastern Michigan will round out my most confidence. Um, Liberty, this is, of course, under the uh, impression uh, that Malik Willis, Willis is playing. That's kind of the key for a lot of these things is to track the lines. Um, if Malik was Malik Willis was not playing in this one, Liberty would not be favored by maybe at all, let alone eight and a half points. So this this is under that assumption. And on ESPN, you you can change uh, your confidence and your and your side all the way up to to lock or, or kickoff of that particular bowl game. So if any surprise opt outs happen after bowl season kicks off on Friday, you can still make adjustments from there. But uh, I do like Liberty with, with Willis putting on one more showcase um, here as he winds up his college career and, and, you know, likely heads on over to the pros. Games I view as toss-ups, Kentucky, Iowa. I'm not putting uh, more than five points on either side of this one. I really think this one could go either way. I think both these teams are very similar. Both started out hot, maybe got a little bit overranked after, you know, some other big teams took falls earlier in the season, then they ended up getting humbled, getting exposed, however you want to put it. Um, that that really did happen to both of them, but I, I prefer Kentucky in that one, but I'm not strong on it. Oklahoma, Oregon is another one. Those teams had very similar seasons in that they got, they're ranked very high, uh, that they both got humbled down the stretch and both are kind of in the midst of pretty chaotic uh, coaching turnover. No one really saw the Lincoln Riley thing coming. Of course, we, we unpacked that one. And then, of, Christ, of course, Cristobal uh, leaving Oregon. Didn't see that one coming either as well. So there's a lot of just kind of up-in-the-air nonsense for that one. And neither team looked all that impressive. A lot of, the, both, a lot of their seasons was, was getting by on reputation, I felt like. Hawaii-Memphis, um, this one's a little bit more of like a game theory one in that I think a lot of people will see the spread and see Memphis minus seven and just kind of lock in Memphis for, you know, 15, 20 uh, confidence points. But I don't think Memphis is seven points better than any of these bowl eligible teams. They've been pretty shaky, in my opinion, for a lot of the year. Um, they, they have a couple pretty nice wins interspersed in there. Uh, they beat SMU, but I don't think that they're markedly better than Hawaii. And I, I think, you know, part of the part of the strategy with these with these uh, lower confidence picks is hedging against uh, teams that might be drawing uh, on average, you know, 15 to, to 20 uh, confidence points. So you, you know, you don't get a huge payoff in that you would, you'd only get like four points for, for ranking Hawaii with four, but you, you would, you would avoid the cliff that a lot of people would, would be going off of and, and losing, um, you know, a good amount of confidence points on, on a game that they felt pretty good about. Ole Miss Baylor is another tricky one. Um, I, I just think that the Matt Corral issue uh, is unknown, but I still kind of think Ole Miss can win that one even without Matt Corral. Um, and that's not a huge shot at Baylor. I just think that Lane Kiffin can get in the lab. He's probably expecting Corral to not play. I think he can come up with something pretty fun and just kind of put an exclamation point on what's been uh, Mississippi's best season to date. 
And then Utah State, Oregon State, I think is another uh, really, really tricky one uh, to sort out. Arkansas, Penn State, using low confidence on that one. UTSA, San Diego State, tricky. Uh, Houston, Auburn, um, I, I have embedded a tweet of my own. I like Houston in that one. I'm not using more than 10 points in that one. Um, but I've embedded a tweet from last year saying I'm, I'm ordering a shock collar for myself uh, that will activate if I choose Houston in a bowl game again. But um, the shock collar never arrived. So mm -hmm. I, I have not learned my lesson and uh, I'm going to get shocked again by, by Houston. But oh, well, I, there I am. I, re I respect that move to embed your own tweet, by the way. <laughs> you know, I got I got to get I got to get the cloud up. You know, Rotowire's on the come <laughs> up. You know, I want to be on the on the cutting edge. I need and I want I want my tweets averaging 10 likes, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I, I dug up this great tweet about this game. Here it is. Oh, uh, did I write this? <laughs> I'm, I'm not above it. I'm not above anything, man. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That was a great breakdown. We'll hit on a few more of those games uh, as we run through uh, our, our slate that we're dealing with over these next few games. And, you know, I think we got to start Friday night. We got two games coming at us. The Bahamas Bowl and the Tail Greeter Cure Bowl. So we got Middle Tennessee going up against Toledo. Toledo, 10-point favorites in that one. Uh, and then that Cure Bowl, Northern Illinois against Coastal Carolina. Another double-digit favorite here. Coastal Carolina, 11-point favorites over the Huskies. Garrett Wolf, you. That's right. I mean, uh, I'll start with, with the Bahamas Bowl uh, chronologically. That That's always our, our beginning of, of bowl season. I love that game. It always has some weirdness in it. Middle Tennessee, for their own right, has had some weird performances in that game uh, to make it very entertaining in years past. So always looking forward to this one. I'm in on Toledo. They're 10-point favorites for a reason. Um, I like their I like their setup. They have a, a really good running back in Bryant Kobach. Um, th they rank 61st in the in the country in SP+. Middle Tennessee, um, closer to 90th. Um, so that's pretty significant. I think that Toledo wins this one. And, and you know, uh, for betting purposes, I, I think they cover that that 10 a, as well. I don't think that this one's overly competitive. Um, but the other game, NIU Coastal, I view that as a game that actually has some hedging potential uh, in that Coastal Carolina, everything is pointing to them. They are 10 and a half point favorites. SP Plus likes them to, to win this game by 20, which is a uh, pretty... Uh, significant usually sp plus isn't that far off like that many standard deviations off of whatever the spread is but here we are but i just don't think that sp plus has an, quite enough respect for a lot of these mac teams this year and, and particularly the mac champions garrett wolf you northern illinois mm -hmm. they've got some really fun players if they're at full strength here i think they can win outright i don't think this coastal team is as good as it as the one from a season ago and an upset wouldn't shock me. And I think a lot of people are going to be putting 30 plus confidence points on this one. And I think that there's a very real chance. Like if I were handicapping this one, I'd say it's closer to NIU plus five and a half something. So obviously I'm not super confident that, that NIU pulls the upset, but I'm going to go ahead and say it's not impossible that they do. And I think that a lot of other people in your pool will be so confident and coastal. They're kind of everyone's favorite weird team. Uh, potentially losing this one and, and costing themselves a lot of confidence points. So I want to clarify for the listeners and, and for the forthcoming readers of the article, when you're ranking these games, are you doing it to like by, by how difficult it is to pick the straight up winner or the likelihood that one of these teams covers? 
Um, it's it's basically a reflection of how I'm approaching the the confidence uh, picks the, these years or this year. So, um, you know that there's there's a lot of I'd say a lot of like forty through eighteen or seventeen is basically just based on confidence and and just straight up winning, and then it gets a little bit more into the the game theory, how to approach it from your pool. So that that that's more um, in line with like my last ten or so picks. But you know, so, some some games, you know, like this coastal game where a lot of people are going to be laying thirty plus confidence points in this one. Like I I I would advise uh, zigging. Uh, where everyone else is zagging in in that particular type of situation, so the, it's a reflection basically on on how I'm approaching it. Um, it's pretty pretty standard for the most part, but but I, I think it's important just because um, th- this format is so unique, and you know you really only do like one full big confidence pool type thing per year. That um, you know you you want to get some analysis that's unique to to playing these types of things out. Right. So so in order to win the points in this contest. The, the team needs to win the game. They don't need, they don't just need to cover. So if you're Correct. saying like, like, yeah. Okay. So Alabama is 41. You're just saying Alabama's winning that game. They're not necessarily winning it by two touchdowns. That is correct. Okay. Yeah. Th- okay. This is all straight up. Uh, the, I included the, the lines in there just, uh, you know, for, for, to give like a, a little frame of reference as, as to sure. the likelihood. And, and, you know, I, it takes me pretty far down to, to, to get to an underdog actually. I think t- Clemson at plus one, at, at 27 confidence points is um is my first underdog uh winning straight up so that that obviously leaves me open to to a couple upsets here uh along the way with, with some big you know implications attached but i do feel good about about the the underdogs ta- or the um the favorites taking care of business through the first 13 or so of your of the confidence picks that i laid out all right let's look at saturday we got six games on the Saturday slate, uh, one of these games, if you're on the West Coast, starts at 8 a.m. So make sure to set that alarm. Uh, we get a rare 1:15 p.m. start uh, in, in UTEP, Fresno State. Um, getting a little fractional with some of these times uh, to squeeze everything in. But we start again going chronologically with the RoofClaim.com Boca Raton Bowl. That is Western Kentucky against Appalachian State. Appalachian State favored by three in this one. Uh, obviously, I immediately went to RoofClaim.com. And the first thing that you see on the website is they're a proud sponsor of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Okay, nice. So nice. That, I, don't, I don't know how that affects your pick, but just something to consider. A, a real feather in their cap, as it were. Um, so that that's excellent to know. And I, I hope that, uh, yeah, you, you've done your, your research on some of these sponsors. I, I'm a little bit light on, on, on the background for a lot of these, but I think that's kind of where you're at your strongest is kind of like, rounding out the analysis with, with things like that. So much appreciated. Um, as for this game, I'm going to, I'm going to come out and say it. This is my favorite bowl game that doesn't involve the Georgia Bulldogs as far as watchability wow. is concerned. I mean, I know, uh, I know you love roofs and roofing and whatnot, but that's a big statement that, yeah, that's known, uh, you know, out here, shingling and spackling as I'm known to do. Um, but Western Kentucky has been so fun to watch this whole year. Uh, Bailey Zapp is insane. You know, that they just kind of brought on the entirety of, of Houston Baptist's offensive core and their coaching staff, and uh, it worked out beautifully. So I think if you're a program like Western Kentucky, that type of gamble is so worthwhile, and, and this year is proof as to why. So, you know, just kind of 
if someone's doing something crazy that that is completely working at, at a different level, take a look. You know, I'm not saying to be the college that hires the guy that never punts or anything, but uh, when when Houston Baptist is playing four FBS teams like it did a year ago and beating them, maybe time to take a look. And, and uh, so I expect this one to be a lot of fun from from the Western Kentucky side. And then Western Kentucky, just uh, in the name of watchability, also doesn't really play a whole lot of defense. So App State's offense hasn't been very fun to watch this year. But uh, I think it, it has enough talent overall to, to really kind of put put up their own uh, pretty decent score here. Um, I like Western Kentucky to win this one. I'm putting 10 confidence points on it. I just think the edge is so significant on offense that, that ultimately uh, App State will get stopped enough times to where the toppers uh, come out on top. We move to the PUBG Mobile New Mexico Bowl. Uh, PUBG, if you're wondering, is I guess kind of a, a kind of roundabout acronym for Player Unknown Battlegrounds. Uh, it is a mobile, uh, looks to be some sort of like fighting game app. Our 13 year old listeners are freaking out. I think they call it PUBG. Yeah. Oh, do they? Wow, that actually makes so. way more sense. Um, yeah, I'm looking at <laughs> I'm looking at some screenshots here. Doesn't look like something that that I partic- you know per, you know, personally would would enjoy, um, but it's doing well enough that they sponsored Bowl. So uh, props to PUBG. This is one where you kind of feel for the announcers on the game because you know there's going to be, you know, one they're going to have to refer to it probably ten to twenty times throughout the game, and there's probably going to be some like really clunky product integration that they're forced to do. Oh yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, not, yeah, not ideal. I, I don't know who's on the call for this one, but we we send out our thoughts and prayers. Yeah, Rocky Boyman like it, like wearing a, a um a, a virtual reality goggles and like tripping over himself like I, I'm I'm expecting that sort of thing. Well, it says they have over 500 million installs, so good good for PUBG. Uh, what do you make of this matchup? We got UTEP against Fresno State, uh, another big favorite here. Fresno State 11 and a half point favorites over the Miners. Yes, I, this is a Fresno State team that I I think pick to either make the Mountain West Championship this year or win it. Um, So I was very confident in them going in. Uh, For the most part, they did not disappoint. A couple weird losses mixed in in there during the season. But I'd say overall, I have a lot of confidence in in Fresno State winning this one. Do they cover 11 and a half? I honestly think so. I think they win this one by by two touchdowns. And and with that in mind, um, I'm using 40 confidence points on them. I, I just don't give the Miners a whole... A uh, lot of a fighting chance in this one. All right. I like it. We got the Radiance Technologies Independence Bowl. Uh, that's UAB and BYU, two strong acronyms. Um, BYU, touchdown favorite in this one, seven-point favorites. I don't have a lot of background on Radiance Technologies. There were a lot of results when I Googled this, and it's kind of tough to tell which one is which, but it, it appears to be a, a potentially like a software company out of Ohio, maybe. Um, if it's not that one, you know, we're giving them some free publicity, but this is, you know, we've, we've talked about this on and off throughout the year. Like why, why is this company sponsoring a bowl? Like this, this doesn't really seem like, you know, you can see why like an app or, you know, I, I don't know, like a lot of these sponsors are like, oh yeah, you know, Cheez-Its, things like that. I, I like Cheez-Its. Like this seems like one of those companies that just had, a, had some extra money to toss around. Yeah. And I, I wouldn't. You know, I'm I'm not in finance or, or investments necessarily, but uh, yeah, I wouldn't think that like a bowl game uh, b- between 
or that's not going to get a ton of viewership. I, I guess if you, if you are going to be sponsoring one, getting one on the Saturday as opposed to like a Wednesday afternoon, um, that would be the the desirable one. Um, but but yeah, I mean, everyone knows that Ohio is the Silicon Valley of the Rust Belt, I suppose. But even still, um, the, the the sponsor uh, synergy uh, with these two teams who who you know these two schools that don't believe in technology. Um, you know, I'm just not so sure about that one, but, but here we are anyway. And no, 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 BYU and, and UAB both have electricity, I promise. But um, I, I mean, I, UAB almost didn't have a program like five years ago. That's right. That's Until right. Roddy White uh, stepped in. That's right, man. He, he fought, he fought the good fight for the Blazers. A uh, friend of mine, Colin Lisa, f- uh, former receiver uh, for the Blazers after they came back fr- from the ashes under Bill Clark. So, uh, I've definitely got a soft spot for for UAB and the city of Birmingham in general, but um, I, I think that BYU is the better side here. I think that UAB has a legitimate shot at covering, but I don't really see a way that BYU loses this one. BYU is just too balanced on offense. You know, Ta- Tyler Algier, one of the highest touchdown scorers in the nation this year at the running back spot. Um, their quarterback situation has been solid throughout, so they could, you know, even if UAB slowing the run game. Uh, BYU can answer with the pass. UAB doesn't really have that multiplicity on offense. And, and Dwayne McBride got hurt in UAB's last game of the regular season. I'm not sure he's 100% for this one. Um, so I will go BYU for 23 confidence points. Okay, yeah, I was going to say, this is kind of right in the middle for you. So um, you know, not, not, not a super strong view on this one, but uh, should be an interesting game. Not, not shocked that they threw this one in like the mid-afternoon window on a Saturday. Although it does get the ABC spot. So, you know, a pretty big pub for, again, a UAB program that was on the brink not too long ago. Uh, we get the Lending Tree Bowl in, also in the afternoon window. This is a 545 Eastern time start. Eastern Michigan going up against Liberty. Uh, as you already touched on with this one, Liberty, a nine and a half point favorite. Um, should be a lot of fun. You know, one last one last chance to see Malik Willis, assuming he will play in this game. Do we have word on that? Um, if we haven't heard by now, then I think all indications are that that he's going to be a go for this one. And, you know, Liberty being nine and a half point favorites, I think also helps reflect that one. So use one of your upper 30 uh, so, uh, confidence selections on Liberty. Uh, you can feel pretty good about it. Eastern Michigan uh, never really found its own identity. I felt for a lot of this season, they were counting on like really good quarterback play from Ben Bryant, the uh, Cincinnati transfer. Um and it kind of blew up one of my own personal like season long fantasy picks. Uh, Preston Hutchinson, their other quarterback, did extremely well last year. And I thought that he was going to, to take it to another level this year. And then he just goes ahead and, and gets beat out. But um, either way, um, I think that Liberty, even though they're kind of a one man show, um, I do think that they are the better side here by by a pretty decent margin. So so I'm comfortable hanging a, a big number of confidence on them. Look at Eastern Michigan. I my two thoughts when I think Eastern Michigan football are one breaking down the cinder block wall and struggling yes. to do so. Uh, also, I mean, like the idea, I love kind of a cool uh, idea for entering the field Two, without fail. They would always be the worst team when you would do dynasty mode on NCAA football. Like within three years, they would be like 45 overall and lose every single game every single time. Uh, so good for them, because in my mind, they're like a, a zero win team every single year. Now, here they are playing in a bowl. Yeah, I think that they've made more bowls since 2015 that like way more than they had in program history yeah. prior. So like they've really been 
on the come up and, and, you know, shout out to, to RotoWire's uh, Shannon McEwen, a, a, a Eastern Michigan former attendee graduate, I think. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't know what his official history or, or title is with EMU, but um, you know, you can only imagine the influence I think that he carried over that campus 100%. when he was there. Uh, the Don so of from, Ypsilanti. <laughs> um, from SoFi stadium in the night window, we get the Jimmy Kimmel LA bowl. Presented by Stifle. I, I don't know what that is. I did not look that up. I think we know who Jimmy Kimmel is. Um, interesting that he's got a bowl. I, you know, never really considered that a person or a talk show could have a bowl, but here we are. Uh, and we're treated to Utah State and Oregon State. Uh, this is a, a touchdown favorite game for Oregon State. Uh, and I, I know you have some feelings on this one. I, you know, I, re- I read your write up uh, in the you know the mock up of the article. And I, is there a belief here that people just see? group of five opponent versus, you know, power conference opponent and just automatically lean Oregon state. That That's kind of my, my inclination here. We, we don't get a ton of these. And, and when we do, I think the, the public tends to side um, with, with the power five school. And a lot of times they're right, but um, I just think that it's important to not overlook Utah state. I mean, they did win the mountain West. Not a lot of people thought that they could do that. Um, certainly not coming into this year. I think that their odds were probably at best fifth or sixth, um, but they, they were impressive that they, they brought over Blake, Blake uh, Anderson from Arkansas state, brought a couple guys over with him, uh, Logan Bonner specifically um, and, and a handful of others in, in the passing game to really kind of elevate that offense. And Devin Tompkins, one of the most productive receivers in all of college football this entire season. So, Again, the way that I'm playing this one is to is to take Utah State uh, for one confidence point. So I don't feel great about them winning it necessarily, but I feel good enough about their chances. And then also just the the idea that you know Oregon State is going to be drawing a lot of you know 12 to 15 to maybe even 20 uh, confidence points in a lot of people, and I don't think it's a lock uh, that they win this game. I, the way that Oregon State does win, however is if they get B.J. Baylor in the ground game going and they start to look the way that they did against USC, then I don't know if Utah State has the hosses to really slow down that that ground game. That's always the concern uh, with these two, with those two uh, types of schools, group of five versus power five is, is the trench play and the line play. Um, so if if they're just like blowing open, you know, truck sized holes and B.J. Baylor's running through it, then it's going to be a long day for Utah State. But um, obviously Utah State's planning for that. And I don't think that Oregon State necessarily has a great passing game either. So I think this sets up for a potential upset here at the Jimmy Kimmel Bowl. I, I assume that there's just going to be a lot of man show references in this one and, and really no mention of Jimmy Kimmel's career after that as, as you know, one of the more famous late night talk show hosts. I think there's going to be a lot of, you know, like ziggy, zaggy, ziggy, zaggy, oi, 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 and uh, uh, people jumping on trampolines just like the old man show. I would like there to be an Eric Andre show bowl. Like, where, where's that? <laughs> where, where's, the, where's the Nathan for you bowl? Here's the plan. <laughs> now, like, if I was a team selected to play in the Nathan for you bowl, I would be like, absolutely not. Shut it down. I don't want any part of this. Like, it, it, it could all be like, you, you would show up there and then like the walls of the stadium would collapse, like revealing a Truman show type of thing. Like the bowl was never real in the first place. Yeah, or, or you know, it, it's a literal bowl that they're playing in, and you know, like also, you know, like right. cereal just starts raining down. It's, it's a total. We nightmare. never specified that it was a football game. Yeah, yeah. you should have read the fine print. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
Oh, man. Uh, speaking of hosses, by the way, you mentioned, you know, the potential lack uh, of hosses in this game. You know, when I was looking at recruiting rankings um, these last couple of days, you know, with signing day, you notice that like, and this is nothing new. It's been a couple of years now. Like, you know, they've officially switched over to like edge. You see it in NFL draft articles too. Like D, you know, you don't really see a lot of like defensive end. It's edge. We should, Hoss should be a position. Like if you're a big enough guy coming out of high school, like, oh, they're recruiting this five-star Hoss out of Kentucky. I, I'm all for that. I, I, you know, like you, don't put these guys in a box. Don't put the Hoss in a box. Let the Hoss be the Hoss. I, I think that's, I mean, you have a lot of good ideas, but th- right. this is one of the better ones I've heard. I've heard of late. I think that this is this is something that that you know we can pitch to the recruiting services, and right. we can have you know some pretty distinct guys to point to as examples of like right. no, this is, this isn't a a three tech defensive tackle. This is a hoss. It's kind of the same thing as like labeling somebody an athlete. You know, it's like he's just like a different type of athlete. It's like he could play fullback, he could play D end, he could play guard, you know, potentially even tight end if he's a little more nimble. Uh, it's just, I just, it opens it, itself up to a lot of like really funny verbiage, I think. Yeah, it's like, oh, he was recruited as a hoss and they converted him to tight end. Or, <laughs> I just, or the other I way love around. The idea of <laughs> Mel Kuyper saying that, like, on like day three <laughs> of the draft, you know, it's like the seventh round and here's a hoss out of Arkansas State. <laughs> Oh, man. All right. Well, this perfectly leads us into the RNL Carriers New Orleans Bowl uh, between uh, a school that I've refused to acknowledge has just converted itself to Louisiana. It's Louisiana Lafayette uh, going <laughs> up against Marshall. Uh, we got Lafayette as a five point favorite, technically the road team here. Uh, although you know, Louisiana did finish the season 12 and one, Marshall coming in at seven and five. Uh, quick thoughts on the RNL Carriers New Orleans Bowl. Um, I like Marshall in this one. Um... They're, they're going to have quarterback Grant Wells available for this one. Uh, so I give them the edge. Louisiana has had some high-profile opt-outs for this one. They're starting running back, I believe, is not going to be playing. He's a key part to that offense, although they do have some good backfield depth. And, you know, the, Louisiana, they just won the Sun Belt and everything, but Billy Napier's gone, the coach. Um, I think that, the, like, that last game was their Super Bowl, and, and this one, I worry about them coming out a little flat, so I like Marshall. All right. Very succinct. I love it. Let's move to Monday night. We get only one game. Uh, It is the Myrtle Beach Bowl presented by Tax Act. A lot of tax-related bowls over the years. This year, uh, certainly no exception. Old Dominion and Tulsa, a pair of six and six outfits here. Uh, This is a Monday, 2.30 p.m. Eastern time kickoff. So get in the primetime slot. Uh, Tulsa, nine and a half point favorites. Yeah, I mean, you know, this is a clear sign that, you know, the NFL just didn't want to risk losing any viewership Monday night Vikings Bears. So, you know, them putting a a pair of six and six teams in the afternoon, like I I see what Roger Goodell's up to. Right. Like, please, we're begging you. Don't put this in primetime. Yeah. So the the wool is not pulled over our eyes, but um, Tulsa uh, touched on them briefly earlier. I, I think that they're just the superior team, um, just kind of top to bottom. Old Dominion, again, a nice story, but I think the way that Tulsa plays is just going to end up being a little bit too much for Old Dominion to, to keep pace with. So um, I will gladly take Tulsa with plenty of confidence. Kent State and Wyoming meet on Tuesday in the famous Idaho Potato Bowl. We got seven and six Kent State, six and six Wyoming. Cowboys, three-point favorites. In this game, uh, how do you see this one playing out? 
Um, you know, th this is the the Dustin Crumb send off. Uh, I'll be sad to see him go. Um, this is like his 10th year in college, but um, he's really had a renaissance over these last couple of seasons. He's been awesome. All you season long fantasy players and, and action lovers are very familiar with Dustin Crumb and his stylings. Um, however, I, I do think that Wyoming is just a little bit too tough, a little bit too hard nosed. And I, I worry about um, Kent State holding up over over four quarters against them. So Wyoming plays its game. It can beat anybody um, uh, like from the from the group of five uh, of a certain ilk. Um, so a lot of qualifiers there. It's not a great Wyoming team. It's not a, not as good as they've been in recent years. But I still think that this is a Wyoming team that just kind of plays its brand of ball, uh, physical defense, uh, running the ball, maybe throwing it t 12 to 15 times and just kind of getting it done. Um, so I kind of hope I'm wrong. I hope that we see like a vintage Dustin Crumb performance, but I, I do believe that Wyoming wins this one. And I have 12 confidence points on it. All right. Also on Tuesday uh, in the night window, we get UTSA and San Diego state. Uh, this is one that you have in your, in your bottom 10 in terms of the most difficult games to pick. Uh, we got UTSA is two and a half point favorites in this one. Yeah, it's it's really tough. Like I went back and forth while writing my 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 blurb. Um, I went back and forth a few times. Like this is a game that I really really did have to dive into to to really come up with with my opinion on it. And I don't I don't think on e if you're on either side of this one, I'm still not putting more than eight confidence points on it. Um, I think that they are pretty equal, and I think that there's pretty clear paths for either of them winning. If you're San Diego State, it's obviously on on the strength of your punter who I, I don't know if you've been following him along, but uh, I have now. Oh yeah. Matt, Matt Ariza, just unbelievable. That guy just kicks absolute nukes. Um, but on the other side, UTSA, they were awesome all year. Um, they obviously lost that last game of the regular season against North Texas to, to blow the, the perfect season. Sincere McCormick has opted out of this game as of this afternoon. So that, that takes some of the punch out of the run game, but I think that Frank Harris and the rest of that passing game, uh, can get this done for UTSA. So I'll say it. I've said it before, and I might be saying it again for the last time on this season's podcast. Meet me. <laughs> to be honest, I didn't know what you were going to say there. Uh, that is not what I expected, but I love it. Uh, <laughs> let's go Wednesday. We get one game on Wednesday night, Missouri and Army. Uh, you're never going to believe this, but Army is playing in the Lockheed Martin Armed Forces Bowl uh, and the, the Cadets. Four-point favorites over Missouri. I like Army here. Uh, it it can always go one of two ways when you see an option team play against a team that hasn't faced the option whatsoever during the course of the year. Missouri was like the, the prototypical team when, when we talk about the DFS main slates. If they're on the slate, you're using the running back against them. They really couldn't stop the run at all for the first two months of the year. Uh, they ended up figuring it out a little bit in November. They were actually kind of respectable. Um, against the run 34th in the nation in November. Um, but this is still a different style of ground attack. And I think Army's going to be up for this one. I like them to win this one. I, I, I don't think it's a lock. I think Missouri does have a chance. Uh, but I still, you know, I, I think if you play this game um, 10 times, I think Army wins it eight times. So I will go Army um, uh, for 19 confidence points. Okay. Two more bowls. Remaining in this week's preview, we'll, we'll, we'll look one week ahead uh, next week. We'll, we'll do the same and we'll have quite a few more bowls to parse through. We might have to, uh, I don't know how much time we're going to be spending, to be honest, John, on the tax act chameleon bowl 
next week. Uh, but two you games on Thursday, that. December 23rd, um, North Texas and Miami of Ohio meet in the Frisco football classic, which if my math is correct here, they're playing two games in three days at the same stadium in Frisco. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a hotbed. Uh, everyone loves playing in Frisco. Um, it's like kind of close to Dallas and uh, it's got nice uh, facilities or something, but either way, um, I don't think that North Texas is particularly good. Um, they, they obviously had that hot finish to the season. I just mentioned the, the UTSA game, but I, I think Miami of Ohio is the better team on balance. It's a it's a fairly even matchup. There's a reason why Miami of Ohio um, is only a three-point favorite in this one. SP Plus likes this one um, in favor of, of Miami of Ohio. I, I know I'm kind of pick and choose with, with games that I, I like to, to back up with SP Plus, but in this particular instance, um, I, I think that Miami of Ohio get, gets it done. I'm not I'm not putting a ton into this game. I'm not going to pretend like I, I know more than I do in this one, but I know enough about both teams, and I, I watched a decent amount of both of them. I do believe the Red Hawks are, are the superior side to the mean green. Give me Miami. All right, last one. UCF and Florida meeting in the Union Home Mortgage Gasparilla Bowl. I, I'm, so, I'm so glad that the word Gasparilla – has entered our lexicon thanks to college football over these last several years. Uh, this is a 7 p.m. Eastern start on ESPN. Florida, six and a half point favorites. You have this uh, at number 33 or 33 confidence points, I should say, in favor of the Gators. Yes, I, I thought that, you know, the Gators down the stretch, like in in October and most of November, were, were one of the more out of sorts power teams uh, out there. Um, they were just kind of languishing through the the last days of the Dan Mullen era. But I think that the Billy Napier hire, I don't think he's coaching this game necessarily, but I think there's a bit of a shot in the arm and a bit of a incentive to play well um, and impress uh, your, your future coach, the guy who's going to be kind of presiding over you for at least the, the next year and the, and the off season and everything. You, you kind of want to get off on the right foot with him. So I expect Florida to actually play hard in this one. Emory Jones is going to play. Anthony Richardson is not uh, from all accounts. Uh, Jones, I think, is going to go in the portal after this game. So this is kind of his last ride um, at a program like Florida. Um, I think that, that, that they put on – I think there's a little bit of local bragging rights involved in this one a, as well. Uh, you know, if you're Florida, you don't want to be that team that, that loses to, to UCF and gives uh, that fan base even more ammo to say that they own the SEC or, or should, should be in the SEC or something like that. So I do feel like Florida – especially the way that they ran the ball down the stretch. I think this sets up pretty nicely for the Gators to have a comfortable victory. So yes, 33 points is, uh, is my lean in this one. And then, uh, like you said, uh, this is the Gasparilla bowl. Um, I believe it used to be the bad boy mowers Gasparilla yes. bowl. And, and you talk about, um, you know, bowl game integration. They just had the sideline guy just sitting on a big mower. And that was awesome. I missed that. Is that. Awesome. That is so cool. I mean, they should actually have the grass. Like, they should have grown out the grass for a couple weeks and then have the players, like, play in long grass for a quarter or, or maybe the first half and then mow it at halftime. Like, you talk about See, product integration. Like, just to show, like, this is a serious mower. That Yeah, it's it's like, a, yeah, it, the mower goes over a certain part of the field and it reveals, like, the, the logo and maybe the logo catches on fire or something cool yeah. like that as well. That'd like that. They, they need to have us on the board for, for some of these meetings because we, we could really, um, you know, kind of change the, the watchability of some of these bowl games that, that may not catch the casual fans eye in a way that it does us. And, and I think that we could really change things.
I, maybe we take this one step further. What if each team gets one bad boy mower to use however they want? Like you could start the, you know, you could have like your middle linebacker would be on the mower or, you know, you're running back. You're running like a 31 dive, but he's on a lawnmower. I, I'm, I can't even top that. Like that's, that's too good. Bravo. All right, man. Uh, have fun at the Ravens game this weekend. Uh, it, it's looking like I'm going to be going to, to Browns Packers on Christmas Day. In Green Bay, I, I just keep finding my way into getting these tickets. Like multiple, some of my friends are just like, "Are you addicted to going to NFL games?" But hey, there's there's nothing better than watching a team in your hometown, right? That that's 100 true, and it, it it certainly helps when your team has legitimate Super Bowl aspirations. Like you you want to have a couple games in in the memory bank from from this season, um, because yeah, this is this is shaping up pretty nicely for the Packers, and mm-hmm. uh, unfortunately, the Ravens are are in their path this week, and I think it's going to be Tyler Huntley. So. Um, I will enjoy the the um, the ambiance and and the company. I'd say more than the game on Sunday. Yeah, we'll see. I, I every now and then, I, there there are some drives with Tyler Huntley where I'm like, I'm all in. This guy is basically a clone <laughs> of Lamar Jackson, and that he had a couple uh, against Cleveland last week where like the the awareness was like a zero out of ninety nine if we're playing Madden. Yep, yep. Uh, saw saw that a decent bit. Saw that against the Bears. Like the the Bears like didn't see the Sammy Watkins play coming because he just literally hadn't hit a pass more than ten yards down the field all game until like the very last drive. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 ugly. It's going to be an ugly weekend, I think, in the NFL um, and the NBA for that matter. As as we've been recording, there's been like fifteen more players that have entered health and safety protocols. So, oh boy, uh, not not a great time for for sports in general uh, with the way that the virus is spreading, but. Anyway, as always, John, fun time breaking down these games with you. We'll be back at it next week.